Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome to episode eight, Trash Talk with TK. And it's a very special week here on the podcast as it is Super Bowl week. Eagles Patriots Sunday at 630 on NBC. And this is a moment I've been waiting for in this town for a long time. I mean, this is 13 years in the making, the last time the Eagles were in the Super Bowl against this same opponent. And it's it's just such an exciting time around Philadelphia. And it's been such a great season when you look at this team. We'll delve into everything with the game itself and the matchups and what the Eagles need to do to secure their first Lombardi trophy. But first, I want to just go back and just reminisce on what a special season this has been for this football team. Because I, I one of the best parts of it is that I think for most people, this was totally unexpected. You know, I don't think there were many people out there. And if you did believe this team was going to go 13-3 and and win the NFC, um, kudos to you. I certainly didn't believe that. I thought this was a 9-7, and 10-6 type team. I thought my, my prediction before the season was 9-7. and seven. Thought if things went well, ten and six, they'd absolutely top out five if everything went perfect. But I was wrong, and a lot of people were wrong. Things didn't go perfectly for this team. When you look at injuries, you know, week three against the Giants, you lose Darren Sproles, a key component to your offense. Um, a couple weeks later, you lose your starting left tackle, one of the best in the game, Jason Peters, who was playing as well as he's ever played. Before that injury, Jordan Hicks, one of your leaders, one of your best young players on the defensive side of the ball. Chris Maragos, your your leader on special teams. And then we all know losing Carson Wentz late in the season as you're getting ready to ramp up for your playoff push was devastating. And I was in the group that many people were that thought it was going to be too much for this team to overcome. I really did. I thought they could still you know, modify the offense to where Nick Foles could have some success. But I was skeptical as to whether once they got into the postseason and they were playing some of the better teams in the NFC, like Minnesota, like potentially New Orleans, like the Rams, some of those kind of teams, I was skeptical whether or not Nick Foles would be able to to run the offense well enough to score enough points against either you know really good defenses or keep up with really explosive offenses to get the Eagles to the Super Bowl, and he was able to do that. You know, first against Atlanta, a kind of a mixed bag from Nick Foles in that game. He didn't play great in the first half, much better in the second half. But in the end, the team only scored 15 points. It turned out to be enough. The defense was fantastic in that game, especially in the second half. Pitched a shutout in the second half of that game. Got the fourth and goal stop. A play that will be remembered forever in Eagles history, but especially if the Eagles win a Super Bowl, 
uh, that play will go down as one of the biggest all time in the history of this franchise. Getting that fourth and goal stop on the Falcons, on Julio Jones, as Matt Ryan threw that jump ball up to him. And then the next week against Minnesota, the top-ranked defense in the NFL, Nick Foles, I mean, I have no, I still have no words. A week and a half later, I still have no words to explain that performance. The way Nick Foles just bombed it out there, bombs away in that game, going all, all over the place against one of the best pass defenses in the NFL. It was remarkable. And here we are. Now just days away from the Super Bowl, from a matchup with the Patriots. And when you look back at this season and the road to this point, I was thinking about it and I look at, there were two real turning points for this team. Two real turning points, one in the regular season and one in the postseason that without these two plays, the Eagles are not in this spot. And we'll start with the play in the regular season that came very late in the season. Came in Los Angeles, and no, it was not the play in which Carson Wentz tore his ACL. The play I'm referring to in that game, Eagles trailing 35-34 in the fourth quarter. Need a stop, need the ball back, need to get a score to take the lead and hopefully cement victory. The Rams had the ball around their own 20-yard line. Eagles desperately, desperately needed a big defensive play. And here's how it sounded on 94 WIP. This time, back goes Goff again. He steps up. He's hit. The football is loose. There's a fight for the ball. The Eagles have it. It's picked up. And running with the football is Patrick Robinson. Oh, no, it's Rodney McLeod. Rodney McLeod has it. And there's the big turnover we've been awaiting. Chris Long with the strip sack. Patrick Robinson picks it up, returns it, um, and the it set the Eagles up for a field goal. Jake Elliott would then hit a, another 50-plus yarder, hitting the long as all year, and that gave the Eagles 37-35 lead. They hung on. You remember Nick Foles, a big third and seven completion to Nelson Aguilar a little later on to run clock and really give the Rams back with no chance uh, one final play where they tried one of those plays. That never works out. Um but that was, a, that was a huge turning point for this team. If the Eagles lose that football game, they don't get home field advantage. If you remember, if they lost that game, the Minnesota Vikings would have finished ahead of them. And if the Eagles have to... And who knows what happens if that's the case. If you have to go to Minnesota in the NFC Championship game, that could be completely different. You may not have played the same teams that you played on the road to the Super Bowl. You may have had to play the the Rams, or you may have had to play New Orleans, and who would have known? Who knows how that would have turned out? The way this team um, seems to get the job done every week, yeah, I I think the Eagles would have a good chance to have beat those teams, but you just don't know. This home field has been a massive factor for them. It was a mo- a major factor in playoff wins against Atlanta. And once the championship game. And without that Chris Long play, I don't think you win that Rams game. And if you don't win that Rams game, you don't have home field advantage. That was the biggest play of this regular season. And it was weird because at the time, it was hard to celebrate that victory. Like, we went into that game thinking that it was a massive game because you knew 
that the Eagles pretty much needed to win that game to get home field advantage. It was going to be really hard to get home field if they had lost. They'd need Minnesota to to lose a game or two going down the stretch. Minnesota had a very easy schedule. And it was hard to celebrate the victory because after the game, most people, myself included, were just devastated over what happened to Carson Wentz. But looking back on it now, what a victory that was for this team. And if they don't win that game, I'm telling you, it would have been a real devastating blow. And the next turning point came in the playoffs. Came in the divisional round playoff game against Atlanta. Which was a grinded out 15-10, you know, defensive struggle victory for the Eagles. And if you remember... I mean, it seems like a long time ago now after the NFC Championship game, the week off. That playoff game against Atlanta seems like uh, uh, two months ago. But if if you remember, the Eagles, they played a bad first half in that game. And I went back, I recorded both games because I'm, I'm just nuts like that about this team. But I watched the first half against Atlanta again. And I, man, they played bad. Jay Ajayi had the fumble on the opening series after the Eagles got a a big pass interference to set them up for some points. Um, Just penalty after penalty. Nick Foles takes a sack to take them out of field goal range. The mistake on the punt where it hit multiple Eagles, setting Atlanta up for a touchdown to give them the lead. The Eagles did not play well in the first half of that game, and things were not looking good. The Eagles trailed. 10-6, 10-6, mixed that missed extra point by Jake Elliott after the touchdown. The Eagles trailed 10-6 right before the half. And Nick Foles was not playing well. He was not playing well at all. And if you remember, he's under pressure. Eagles trying to get down the field, trying to get a field goal to cut the deficit to one before half. And he threw just a terrible pass. That could have been absolutely disastrous. But fortunately for us and for Nick Foles, something crazy happened, and here's how it sounded on WIP. Into the gun again is Foles. Foles backpedals. He steps up. He is firing, and it is batting around and caught on the deflection by the Eagles, and it is Torrey Smith down at the 50-yard line. It was about to be picked off by the Falcons. It was deflected. And it came back to Torrey Smith, who was very alert. There it was. And the pass off the knee of Keanu Neal, Atlanta safety, uh, could have been picked. And who knows what happens if that play goes the other way. Remember, Torrey Smith catches it. The Eagles a couple plays later. Foles finds Alshon Jeffrey. Gets out of bounds with one second left. Jake Elliott hits a field goal to cut it to one. And the Eagles end up winning that game by five points. If, if Keanu Neal picks off that ball... Atlanta probably gets at least three. At least three. Because he had room to run. He would have picked it off at midfield. They have an automatic field goal kicker. He probably would have gotten at least three, if not setting Atlanta up to score a touchdown. But even say they just get three. Then the Eagles, instead of being down 10-9 at half, which was the case, they'd have been down 13-6. And that game looks so much different. I feel like that got the Eagles a little bit of confidence going into the half. That got them feeling good about themselves. That, I, I think everybody kind of felt after that. They played a bad first half, but hey, look up, you look up at the scoreboard, the Eagles are only down one. 
And that was incredibly important. And it was a major turning point for this team in the postseason. Major turning point. So just looking back, I look at those two plays. The Chris Long strip in in the Rams game and that crazy deflection catch by Torrey Smith in the Atlanta playoff game. And if those two plays, those two plays more than any others I look at this season, if they go the other way, Eagles probably aren't sitting here right now. But you need those kind of breaks. You need those kind of big plays in big moments like a Chris Long made, that good bounce that you get on a play like that for Torrey Smith. That happens to teams who win. That happens to teams who get it done and put themselves in position to win championships. And here we are, Super Bowl 52 Eagles Patriots, and now we'll get into the game a little bit. And... I got to say, I like the Eagles in this game. I like the matchups for the Eagles in this game. I've become a believer in this team, as I said. I, for a while, you know, at the beginning of the season, I didn't think they were ready to be this kind of team this year. I believed midway through the season. Then when Carson Wentz got hurt, I was back to thinking, I, I don't really think with Nick Foles they can get this done. But I, I, I have no reason to doubt this team anymore. And nobody out there does. You know, what they overcome, the way they overcome adversity, the way they find a way every week is astonishing. The way they blew out Minnesota was just eye-popping. It was shocking to everybody, even the most optimistic Eagle fans. I think we're, were kind of stunned by the way that game transpired. And when I look forward to Sunday, I see a lot of places where the Eagles have an advantage. You look at football, you you fundamentally look at the game of football, and it's usually pretty easy to find who's going to win that game, who's the better team based on the line of scrimmage. Normally, you win the line of scrimmage, you win the football game. And when you look at this game, the Eagles are better on both the defensive line and the offensive line, and it's really not close. You know, the Patriots aren't bad in those spots, but they're, you know, above average. The Eagles are elite. The Eagles have an elite offensive line. The Eagles have, in my opinion, the best defensive line in football, mainly because of their depth and the way they cycle guys in and out. The Eagles pretty much have two full starting units. When you look at Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Tim Jernigan, and Vinnie Curry, and then you follow that up with another wave of pass rushers in Chris Long and Derek Barnett, and you bring in a third D tackle like Bo Allen, who is incredibly underrated. Bo Allen is a starting-level defensive tackle on a lot of teams in this league. He's a very valuable guy to have as your third defensive tackle, and a lot of games he'll play more, more snaps than Tim Jernigan because he might not make the same amount of big plays Tim Jernigan makes, but I think Bo Bo Allen's a little more solid in there. I think he's a little more reliable on a play-to-play basis. And you going up against the Patriots offensive line, it's okay. I think the Eagles should be able to get after Tom Brady. And what gives Tom Brady trouble? Tom Brady's the best that has ever played. I have said that for years. That Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. I think he's the greatest athlete of all time. It's him and it's Michael Jordan. And I probably give the edge to Tom Brady because I think in that sport, to be as great as he's been for so long, it's 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 incredible. But what gets him, gives him problems? Teams that have a front four 
that can rush the passer. Teams that can get after him, pressure him, hit him without having to bring extra men. They can leave seven guys back in coverage and still get that heat on him to speed him up, make him get rid of the ball, don't let him survey things and let his receivers run free. That's the Eagles can do. The Eagles have the formula in my mind, to win this football game. The same formula that the New York Giants used back in 2007 and back in 2011 in those Super Bowls. The Atlanta Falcons did it for for two and a half quarters last year. You know, the Atlanta Falcons had the formula to beat New England. They just didn't play a full game. I don't think you're going to have that problem with this Eagle team. They saw what happened last year. They know they can't let up. They know they need to play a full 60 minutes or that guy's going to come back on you. And I think the defense can limit the damage enough to where they can hold New England to, what, 17, 20 points? Which, against that offense, that's a good outing. I think they can do that. And you look at the other side of the ball. I think the Eagles' offense can have some success. That Patriots defense, same thing. They're pretty good, but they're nothing nothing special. You know, they have good corners on the outside in Gilmore and Malcolm Butler. That's probably not the area you're going to be able to attack a ton. But I think the Eagles will be able to run the football. You run behind Brandon Brooks. You run behind Lane Johnson. You work the middle of the field. I think, uh, th- and this is maybe a, a little prop bet advice for you. I think... An under-the-radar name for Super Bowl MVP in this game, Zach Ertz. I could see Zach Ertz having, you know, nine catches for 100 yards and a touchdown in this game. I think Zach Ertz really could have some success getting matched up on their linebackers and getting matched up on our old friend Patrick Chung, who has played well since going back to New England, whatever it is. They know how to use him, but... You know, him covering Zach Ertz one-on-one, if you get that matchup, I'm confident in Zach Ertz's ability to beat Chung in those situations. And then the other one, and this would be the ultimate Howie Roseman revenge. I talked about it on my show last week on WIP. Is Nelson Aguilar working against Eric Rowe? Eric Rowe, second-round pick chip Kelly back in 2015. Uh, Howie shipped him off to New England. Probably in a lot of ways because he's a chip guy. But how he has since rebuilt the cornerback situation without Eric Groh, people bashed him for making that move. He went and he got Jalen Mills in the seventh round, drafted a Russell Douglas in the third round, got a Sidney Jones uh, who fell in the draft because you know of the Achilles injury, but that was a steal, would have been a top 10 pick. Traded a guy who you didn't really need in Jordan Matthews and was overrated here for Ronald Darby. Now, it's a two-pronged revenge. Look at this. Howie could attack Eric Rowe with Nelson Aguilar, who is playing because he shipped off Jordan Matthews, who he didn't really need, and got a starting cornerback in Ronald Darby. It's crazy to follow. But Howie, the ultimate revenge would be roasting Eric Rowe in a Super Bowl. And I think the Eagles, the Eagles can do it. That's a matchup I'd look to exploit. And Nelson Aguilar on Eric Rowe is an area the Eagles got to go after. Nick Foles can have some success with the tight ends, with Zach Ertz, with Trey Burton, with the slot receivers like Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey, even against top-level corners as he'll be going against in this game. Alshon Jeffrey will make a couple big plays for you. He's shown he can do that. The last week against Xavier Rhodes, you know, the, the touchdown 
when he went deep, Rhodes was out of the game. He got Terrence Newman. But Alshon Jeffrey will make some big plays. He made some plays against Atlanta. They had good corners too. I think that coupled with the with the run game, with Jay Ajayi, LeGarrette Blunt, and Corey Clements, another one who I could see having a big impact in this game, catching the ball out of the backfield. I like the Eagles' chances. I like their chances a lot. And defensively, one thing that the Eagles are going to have to do when you look at concerns in this game is, aside from the D-line, in when you look into the secondary, if you are able to, able to keep seven guys back in coverage, I look at it this way. You're going to need to double Gronk. You're going to need to keep a man over the top on Brandon Cooks. So, you know, I think if you put Nigel Bradham and Malcolm Jenkins on Gronk, which I think is something that you most likely will do, double him, try to take Gronk away. Cooks, whether he lines up over Jalen Mills or Ronald Darby, you keep Rodney McLeod over the top on him because he can take the top off of defense. He's a Deshaun Jackson like player in the way he can stretch the field. He's a little scary, but if the Eagles can double him and take that away, a match matchups in this game that I think are going to be extremely important are Danny Amendola on Patrick Robinson in the slot. I'm confident Robinson can limit it. Amendola will make a couple big catches. You know, that's what he does out of that slot position. Um but 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 Patrick Robinson has been a revelation this year. And I think Patrick Robinson will play well. But the other thing that scares me, another thing the Eagles are going to need to take care of, is they need to be sure tacklers. Because there are going to be a lot of matchups. If you are doubling those two guys in Gronk and Cooks, that means a lot of single coverage on the Patriots running backs. And the Patriots have very good receiving threats coming out of the backfield. When you look at Deion Lewis, you look at James White. These are two guys who are elite at the way they catch the ball out of the backfield and make things happen after they catch the ball out of the backfield. The Eagles are going to need to be good in open space tackling. Michael Kendricks, Nigel Bradham, Corey Graham, those kind of guys, when they get singled up with those backs in the flat in the open field, yeah, they're going to catch some balls, but you got to limit the damage. You need to bring them down. And I think that's going to be a huge key for the Eagles in this game. Be sure tacklers. You cannot miss tackles. You cannot miss tackles and allow the Patriots to get extra yards that way. They're too good. They are too good. You need to be you need to be sure in your tackling you limit those plays. And that's a major key in this game. When the linebackers and extra defensive backs get singled up with the running backs, they need to take them down. Because those running backs are explosive and they can make big plays. And Tom Brady's going to attack that area. He's going to attack that area. If you're doubling those other guys, which I expect the Eagles to do, because Gronk and Cooks, you can't single them up. You know, you don't want to let those guys beat you. you got to make New England beat you with those ancillary players. That's going to be a big key in this game. And the third phase is going to be huge as well. Special teams. Jake Elliott cannot miss kicks. The Eagles need to win the special teams battle. And that's always difficult against New England because they are so good in that part of the game. They don't make mistakes on special teams. The Eagles, I think, need at least one big return in this game. They can't allow any big returns, and they need just to be just to be fine in their special teams. You know, don't make mistakes. You make a mistake like you did against that Atlanta game or against that Atlanta team. You may have been able to come back from that in that game against that team, you won't be able to do that against New England. They're too good.
I like the Eagles' chances. I will make my official prediction this Saturday night when I'm on the air, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. on Sports Radio 94 WIP. That's when I'll give my official prediction as I'm still thinking it over and my score for the game. But I'll tell you this, I like the Eagles' chances a lot. And now real quick, before we get out of here, I want to do um, our weekly segment, the uh, Dumpster Fire of the Week. And for the Dumpster Fire of the Week this week, uh, it's it's the Cleveland Cavaliers and just the absolute dysfunction that is going on amongst that team right now. And this isn't surprising because this happens wherever LeBron James goes at the end. Whenever LeBron is at the end, things start to fall apart. The first time he was in Cleveland, uh, when he was in Miami, things just start to get a little dysfunctional toward the end, and it just hasn't worked out there this season. You know, when they traded Kyrie Irving for Isaiah Thomas, it was a curious move. I mean, uh, Kyrie wanted out, but they didn't need to trade him. I I, I probably would have just held him and then, you know, seen what happened after this year because you get Isaiah Thomas back. Isaiah Thomas isn't very good. He was injured for much of the year. Comes back. The guy doesn't play defense. He had a a, a a shocking year last year. He's never been that kind of player. Boston, I, I said before they made the trade, I said last year during the playoffs, Boston should look to trade him this offseason because he'll never have that good a year again. And he hasn't. Isaiah Thomas just isn't that good. It hasn't worked out. The whole team hates Kevin Love, which has become a, a very interesting subplot there that Kevin Love just can't get along with any of his teammates. There's video of him handing the ball to Isaiah Thomas after a rebound like he's handing a toy to a child. And there's all this all this tension between Isaiah Thomas and Kevin Love off the court. And there's a video of Kevin Love out of timeout throwing his warm-up shirt right on Jeff Green on the sideline on the bench. And Green was all, all annoyed by that. So that that's just, that's coming to an end badly. LeBron is leaving. And I'll tell you right now, I will not only predict, but I will guarantee right now, this is a guarantee, LeBron James next year will be a member of the Houston Rockets. Where else is he going to go? I know people have talked about him coming here to Philly. I don't see it. I don't see LeBron coming here with with Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. He's looking for a team that's ready-made to win now. The Sixers would be Eastern Conference um, championship contenders with LeBron, without a doubt. But he's looking for a team that can beat Golden State. Where can it can that be put together? I look at Houston. He's buddies with Chris Paul. Chris Paul re-ups there with James Harden. Melo opts out of OKC. Melo goes to Houston, and Houston goes into next season with James Harden, Chris Paul, LeBron James, and Carmelo Anthony. That's the way I see this thing going. It's ending in Cleveland. He's certainly not going back there. There aren't many options that make sense. You saw the Clippers trade Blake Griffin, I think, clearly in an attempt to clear cap space. They're going to trade DeAndre Jordan. They're going to trade Lou Will to try to set up cap space to bring in LeBron, maybe bring in some some of his guys. I don't know if Chris Paul will go back. Chris Paul's certainly not going back there unless they blow Doc Rivers out. Maybe they do that. But I think Houston. I think LeBron's going to Houston. The Cleveland Cavaliers are so dysfunctional. Ty Lue's going to get fired, and they're a mess right now. They're not going to go back to the finals. I don't believe they are. I think Boston can beat them. I think Toronto can beat them. And until they until they straighten things out, which I don't think they will, they are certainly not beating either of those two teams in a seven-game series. 
So with that, the Cleveland Cavaliers, this week's Dumpster Fire of the Week. And that'll do it for Episode 8, Trash Talk with TK, Super Bowl 52, on Sunday. Hopefully I'll be talking to you next week after the Eagles have won their first Super Bowl championship. I don't know about all of you, but uh, that's if I make it through the game. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this game. I'm going to be so nervous, and I'm sure everybody else will be as well. This week already, this is Tuesday, it feels like it's taking forever. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this four hours of football because I think it's going to be tense. I think it's going to come down to the wire, and we will talk about it all night when I'm on the air. Saturday night, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. on 94 WIP, the night before the game. Please join me because I'll tell you right now, we're talking Super Bowl. That's all we're talking about, Eagles-Patriots. We're going to dive deep in this game. I'll give you my prediction, and I'd love you to join me on this very special night before the Eagles take on the Patriots in Super Bowl 52. I will talk to you next week, and fly, Eagles, fly. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.